You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Series on detox, and over the last few weeks we've been talking about detoxing ourselves from comparison, detoxing ourselves from doubt, detoxing ourselves from different things, and today we're going to talk about religion, and today we're going to talk about detoxing ourselves from sin. And I know this word sin is a word that we don't really delve into much anymore, even within the church, and so it's kind of become an off-limits topic, but I think it's something that's, I don't think, I know, it's essential to the Christian faith, it's essential to life. And so this morning, what I want us to think about is to detox from the heaviness of our soul. And, and what I have seen over time is that there's two ways that we have a heaviness of soul. And, and one is before you enter into relationship with Jesus, that as God calls you and he draws you to himself, and as you get closer to him and begin to understand a little bit about who Jesus is, there's a heaviness of the soul because of the weight of your sin, the weight of who he is and who we're not kind of begins to weigh on us. And so there's a heaviness of soul that what I believe actually makes us bow down before him and say, you are God and I'm not. And so in that moment, we begin to recognize the, the significance and the sufficiency of what Jesus did on the cross to cover our sins. And so there's a heaviness that draws us there. But also, I want to pull back the curtain a little bit for us as followers of Jesus, is that I think many times the reasons that we move out of community is that there is a heaviness of soul of unconfessed sin. Some would say hidden sin, but that there's this sins that we haven't relinquished, that really and truly don't have power over us anymore. The scripture says that once you say yes to Jesus, the power of sin is gone from you, that we still believe the lies that it controls us. Instead of believing the truth that the power of the resurrection, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, resides with inside of us to overcome sin. So that before you were a follower of Christ, you were chained to sin and you you had no option other than to follow sin because that was your appetite. That's our nature, which we'll talk about. But now that once you've said yes to him, you have the ability. And as Paul tells us, we need to get into the habit of saying yes to life and having the appetite of God and running from the things that are not of God. But the reason that we sometimes are still chained to the old ways is because we believe lies and we're drawn back to to that. And we think that, hey, I'm going to be the exception to the rule where this sin isn't going to atrophy my life and, and mess with my soul and my heart and my mind. And so this morning, I want us to delve into this idea of detoxing and and getting away from the power that we allow sin to have over our life. And it's not something we do, but through the power of Christ. And so. What is sin? I want to define that for us. And sin started in the garden with Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, as we know, or maybe we don't know, but I want to tell you this morning, they messed up. And when they messed up, sin entered into all of the cosmos. And so if you read, even at the very end of the book, the Bible, there's a little part that says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because all of creation has been impacted by Adam and Eve's sin. So everything is broken. Why do we suffer? Because of sin. Why is there death? Because of sin. Why do we have fear? Because of sin. All these different, all the brokenness of the world is because of Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God in an earthly heaven. 
And so now we live in that result. So there's brokenness because of that. And we even see David sin as someone who, if you've been around church or VBS for a little bit, King David was someone who's known as a man after God's own heart, but was also the chief of sinners. Committed adultery, he murdered. I mean, the list is long. And for many of the times, for many of us, we'd say, hey, listen, if there's unpardonable sins, David committed them. And God says, but he's a man after mine own heart. And why is that? It's because the heaviness of his sins forced him to confess. And so we'll delve into that this morning. As a matter of fact, in Psalm chapter 51, verse 5, even David says, it talks about this, our nature is sin. It says this, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So even as he was, he was born, he came out, that was his nature. He was chained to it. That was a part of his DNA because of Adam and Eve. So sin's a part of our lives. So we, before we dig in to Psalm 32, which we're going to do here in just a second, I want to continue to define sin. So the first thing I want you to understand about sin is this. Is sin is not just behavior. It's our nature. Okay? So sin is not that I just do bad things. But it's my nature. Evil comes from within me. The bad things come from within me. I sin because I am a sinner. That's my DNA. We, we can attempt to change some of our behavior. We can try to modify some things. And so if you've been around church, you've been around religion long enough, you've probably heard, hey, don't cuss, don't drink, don't dance, don't whatever. And we, what do we try to do? We try to modify our behavior. However, we can't change our heart condition. So there are some things that we can stop doing that may make us more religious, but that doesn't make us transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. It doesn't change our hearts. And so that's why even as maybe if you've been a Christian for a little bit and you've tried to modify your behavior, one of the reasons you run back to that is because you're trying to modify it, not letting the Spirit of God transform your heart and transform your taste buds from the things of what used to be to the things of God. So therefore, I need a Savior, I need a Redeemer, I need a heart surgeon. I need to be rescued from myself. The reason my life, if it's a mess, it's me. Draw the circle here. But our natural tendency is to say, hey, you did it, you did it, because of you, this is the ripple effect of other people's stuff. But in reality, I need a sinner. I am the sinner. I am the problem of my life, and I need to be rescued. And I can't modify my behavior enough to save myself. So sin's not just a behavior. It's my nature that makes me do wrong. And if one of what I would say the greatest Christians ever, Paul, struggled with it, surely we're going to. Paul says this, he says, I have discovered this principle of life. Then when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in good company. If the chief Christian, we would say, Paul, struggles with this, then surely we're going to. I want to do what is right, but my nature draws me to do what is wrong. I love God's law. I mean, we're like, as followers of Jesus, we're like, I love God. But I do some stupid stuff. Because I'm drawn to it. But there is another power that is in war within my mind. And this power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This slave, they're tied to it. So that's the first thing, is it's, it's a part of our nature. We can't change our behavior. Another part of this that you need to understand about sin is sin is always relational. When I sin, 
I don't rebel against rules, but I rebel against an authority. And I think this is one of the things that sometimes, again, in church world, we've done a disservice is that we've said to you, hey, you've become a Christian. So now as you become a Christian, you need to do these things and not do these things. And so you're taught, we're taught early on to, and those things, those are good teachings. And we don't want to do some of those things because they're not life-giving to us, whether we're followers of Jesus or not, in all honesty. And then there's other things that we should start doing because it will... It will help us grow in our faith. However, what's missing is the fact that its faith is not based upon do's or don'ts. It's based upon a person. And so that every time that we spend time with Jesus, we fall a little bit more in love with him. The more that we spend time with Father, the more we spend time with God, we see how good he is and how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and that that good things come from him. He cares ultimately for us. And so as we spend more time with him, we lose sight of the fact that these things over here. And, and so they're not even the things that we should say not do anymore aren't even drawn to us. They're not even in our mirror, not even in our focus, because we're so focused on so focused on God and doing what he does. And we're like Jesus saying, I'm about the father's business. We're so much about that and that relationship. Those things just fall away. And so for us as followers of Christ, it's easy to check off boxes, but I'm telling you that the thing is Jesus. And that's even our mission statement here is it's real simple. We're cross point. We're pointing people to the cross. We're pointing people to Jesus. But that's the difficulty. That's also the foolishness of the cross is it seems so simple. So sin is always relational, even Again, David says in Psalm 51, 4, he says, against you, God, and only you have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight is relationship. And you're going to look at the Ten Commandments that the Ten Commandments start off with, and all has to do with how we see and view God and how we relate to him. That if we have to understand that we need a right relationship with the right God in the proper context and the proper perspective, and if we worship him and understand who he is and in right relationship with him, then all these other things won't really become issues. We won't have relationship issues here horizontally with everyone else because we're here. We won't envy other people's stuff because we got the Father. We won't want something else because we've got the Father. And so this is that sin is relational. So we're distracting ourselves from the Father. I choose to love something or someone else than to love Him. Every sin is relational. So every time I sin, I'm disrupting that relationship with the Father. And we have been trained, I think, again in church that we struggle with community. We want it. But when we sin, we run from it because so many times, as I've said, we get stabbed in the back with our sins instead of people standing back to back with us and saying, I'm going to do life with you. And so we've had a tendency to to move away from community in the moments we should move toward community. The third thing I want you to get about sin is I'm going to kind of give you three definitions, kind of how the scripture does it. One is iniquity. And iniquity is this, this idea that you're born with sin. This is your nature, your moral nature. You're iniquitous. Okay, there's a new word for you. Go to, go to lunch and say, I'm iniquitous. Give me some sweet tea. I don't know. Iniquitous. This is just who we are. And it's this idea of that we are slaves to, that we are chained to. We, it owns us. We cannot get away. So before we say yes to Jesus, it is bound to us. And so you've seen it. You've seen an animal or something, and then they're tied down. They're staked down like an elephant or something, and they're staked down, and they can only go so far. Why? Because they've been trained that this is it. I'm tied to this. And so this is our soul before Jesus. We are tied here and can only go where sin allows us to go. 
But in that moment that we say yes to Jesus, that has been disconnected. And now we kind of put it in our pocket. And now we're learning that we can say yes to new things and go to places that we never thought we could go before. But for whatever reason, many times we don't ever let the chain go and drop and totally live. We kind of walk with it. You ever seen somebody walk out of the bathroom with toilet paper on their foot? That's us. That's us. We walk around with the little sin there and people are kind of just like, just let it go. The foolishness of that is the foolishness of walking around and not understanding the freedom by which we live life. Our moral nature is bound in that sin. The other word that I want you to get as a definition of sin is transgression. Which means to trespass, that you see the sign that says no trespassing and the rebellious spirit in your heart. I know some of you and I know you would do it. You'd be like, hmm, that's a yes. (laughs) When it says no trespassing, that's a yes to me, right? We know. And so this is that heart in us that's rebellious, that we see the sign, the Ten Commandments. We see that this is outside of the boundaries of what God has for us because it's not life giving to us. Not because he doesn't want us to have something, but it's because it's not going to be life giving. And so we're like, hmm. Let's just give that a try. And so we step over. That's the rebellious spirit within us. So we trespass or we transgress. The third one is sin. Sin is this idea that every single day you get up and you take your bow and arrow that you've been given and you pull it back with all of your strength, with all of your effort, with all of your knowledge, with all of your vision, all of the wisdom, all of the education, everything you've got. You pull it back. And you see the target and you aim at it. And you're like, oh, yes, this is it. It's going to hit the bullseye. This is going to be a perfect day. This is going to be, everything's going to be just right. And then not only do you miss the target, but you fall short. And every single day you try to, in my own power, in my own strength, let it go and fall short. You don't even reach the target. It falls short. Romans 3.23, for everyone sins. And in the Greek and the Hebrew and all those different things, everyone means you, me. All of us, all of us have pulled back our bow and it falls short of God's glory. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to have an idea. You're going to be envious. You're going to be jealous. You're going to want something. I cannot reach God's standard of perfection and his glory on my own. Impossible. Sin is my nature. I was born with it. I'm ubiquitous. And I want it and I have an intentional rebellion in my heart. I see the no trespassing sign and I, I, I just, I gotta put my toe over it. Because that's my heart. And because of that, it's rendered me powerless. I need, you need, we all need a rescuer, a redeemer, a restorer, a doctor of the heart, a savior because of this. And so sin, whether you know Christ before he's drawing you in or you know him and you're dealing with it, you're trying to find freedom in it, weighs heavy on our soul. And so, again, I think our natural tendency, because church people are human and our desire to remove masks and our desire to be vulnerable and our desire to truly be known and to still be loved. Somewhere we've trusted someone with some things that are heaviness of our souls and they've used it as a weapon against us. And so this morning what I want us to think about is how can we find a place, how can we as a community be a place where we can 
do what Christ asks us to do, to lean over and to confess and to deal with the heaviness of our souls. So as we'll find out here in Psalm chapter 33, 32, that we can walk in complete honesty. So that we can walk into a room and they say, hey, Chris, and you know that you are known, like known. Like somebody knows the crap of your life. The stuff you've been sweeping into the closets. When people come over, you're like, you, do, you just even put clothes in front of it. You do everything so that no one will see it. So that you can be that known and still loved. And that's what Jesus offers us. But we can also find glimpses of that with us, with each other. And that's what the world is longing for. is for people that are honest about the fact, listen, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Hey, sinners, stand up. Sinner, sinner, sinner. We're here. But for the grace of God, we want to relieve the heaviness of our soul and walk in life in true honesty that we have the peace of Christ that passes understanding. We have the joy, the midst of the circumstances because the stuff of who I am, someone knows me. I do not have to have 50 masks to keep putting on so I can be a different person in different places. I can walk in complete honesty. And as all the books that you're reading about self-help so that you can find your true self, your true self is found in Christ and Christ alone. So the heaviness of the soul, part of it is us just pretending to be something that we're not. And so part of the Christian church has actually taught us to clean up and to be whitewashed tombs. Instead of get on our face before God and say, God, I'm a sinner. As a matter of fact, I'm the chief of them. But may I walk in complete honesty. So let's look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verse 1, it says, Oh, what joy... Some of your translations may say happy. Okay, have you ever seen a happy person not smile? No, right? Okay, so joy. There's this joy, like woo, like we did earlier. There was some joy going on because you were some freedom, right? So, oh, joy for those whose disobedience, whose trespass is forgiven. So that forgiven is to be lifted up, to be carried away, to be gone. So as far as the east is from the west, it's gone. So it's gone. But somewhere along the way, sometimes we're, we're like, hey, bring that back. That's my favorite one. Or that one gives me identity. I don't know what to do without that. Next part is whose sin is put out of sight. It's this idea of concealment. That you bring it before God and you say, God, this is some of my sin. He goes, oh, cool. Let's, let's bury that. Let's cover it up. Let's... Mark it so you can't even tell where we've been. No one can even tell that we're there. So that when someone walks by it, when God walks by it, when I walk by it, it's concealed. You can't even remember where it's at. It's gone. It's as if it's, as if it's never happened. So God says, listen, I take your disobedience and I carry it away as far as the east and from the west. You cannot catch up to it. And I can seal it and hide it in such a way that you can walk by it and never found it. You have freedom in it. Quit chasing it and quit digging for it. That no longer identifies you. Verse 2. Yes, what joy there is for those whose record has been cleared of guilt. So imagine with me, you go into the courtroom, and they say, what are the charges? And they say, oh, that's Chris. It's like some of you grandparents in the old days when you had pictures on your little thing. You remember those things? Anybody under 45 doesn't know this. 
used to carry around pictures with you, and they'd have a fat wallet. It wasn't credit cards, it was pictures. Right? And so now you got an iPhone. If an iPhone would, would be weight of the pictures, we'd be like, <laughs> carry like this, but the pictures. And so it's this, or your Christmas list. And it just wraps up the room. That's the image of your life when you stand before God, and God as the judge says, you missed the target. You've fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus says, I got it. It's just as if I'd never sinned. See, the records of the wrong is still there, but it's not mine anymore. It's his. And so in him, it's just as if I'd never sinned. He's carried them away as east is from the west. He's concealed them as if they never happened. And he's pardoned me from all of that. And I didn't have to work or earn it. Jesus stood on my behalf. And he rolled up that record. He put it in his pocket. And he said, it's mine. Go. And live in complete honesty. You are known by me. Fully known by me and loved. Live in that peace, live in that joy, live in that freedom. Quit pursuing those old things. Here's the second part of that, verse, chapter 32, verse 2. Yes, what joy it is for those whose record of the Lord has been cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Again, this idea of someone knows you, they've looked at your bank record, they've looked at your internet record, They've looked at your phone calls. They've looked at your texts. They've looked at your stuff. And God has taken all that away. And he says, in me, it's just as if none of that ever happened. And so now you're known by him and loved by him, and you can walk in complete honesty. What that means is, is that we have to learn how to begin to take off the different masks that we've been wearing. I've heard the word hypocrite. Some of you have maybe been called a hypocrite. Maybe you've called somebody a hypocrite. But it's this idea that everywhere we go, we wear different masks to be in different groups. And what this passage talks about, listen, if we're truly identified in Christ, that means there's no masks. Now, that's scary for us in a filtered world where we're like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's the world we live in. But God says, listen, no filters, no masks. Can I see the real Chris? Can the world see the real Chris that's identified in Christ? And then where he goes and what he does is always the same because he's on a journey to know Christ and to be like Christ and act like he's not perfect. Matter of fact, that dude shouldn't even be a pastor. Who knows why that dude's a pastor? But in Christ, I'm free. And I can live in complete honesty. And I don't have to chase that stuff. I don't have to find it anymore. It doesn't identify me. I am found in Christ. So that's the first part of it. And so here's the next part. So this is like him before he confessed. Okay. So verse three and following. He says this. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. So someone, if you've ever been around someone who's really sick over time, then their body begins to atrophy, begins to waste away. This is the image of that. And I groaned all day long. The pain, there was nothing that could satisfy. There was nothing that could take away the pain and the agony of that sin. I needed to confess it and get it out. It's a sickness. Some parts of Scripture talk about it. It eats away at the bone marrow of your body. 
Day and night, your hand of discipline was upon me. So someone who's down, all of us have been down at times, and you want to get back up. This is the idea of you can't get back up because you've been pushed down and pushed down harder and harder. You try to catch your breath, they push down harder, harder and harder. This is the heavy hand of discipline that's upon me because of the sins that I'm not confessing. And my strength has evaporated like the water on a, sum, on a summer day. We've, we, we experience that here in Christmas, right? It feels like it's hot and it just zaps you. There's no energy. If you've been out in the sun, you just go and you just kind of like plop. You have no energy. So finally, because of that, I confessed all my sins and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. For this last phrase, all my guilt is gone. You are free in Christ. So if all your guilt is gone, then that means this mask is gone. I don't have to be this. This mask is gone. All these different things that have tied me down don't identify me anymore. All my guilt is gone. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, we, we see. So this is an interesting thing. is When you say yes to Jesus the first time you receive the gift, you are in the courtroom declared righteous. Okay, but all of us understand that, that we have many day, hopefully many days of life. And because of those many days of life, we're walking around doing life. And so, as I've shared over the last few weeks, several times, is that now because of our positional righteousness with God, we're declared right with Him, we get into heaven, but also there's this daily thing of daily righteousness with God, okay? And so every single day we have to come before Him and confess. Why? Because the stench of the day comes up on our feet. The dust, the dirt, the poo, the whatever. And so if we want to sit down and sup with God, our dirty feet can't be in his plate. Like in the old days, they used to lay down and their, your feet would be in his. So if you can't put your dirty feet next to his plate, he says, i got to wash your feet. If you want to sup with me at the table of God, you've got to wash your feet. Yes, positionally you are made right, but, but the stuff of the day. And so we've got to draw near to him on a daily basis, allow him to wash our feet, to cleanse them so we can see all the different stuff. And this happens in 1 John 9 through 10. Confess, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness so that we can live in complete honesty. So that we can live in community with other people and be real. So that we can come to church and be real and not say, hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. And not be. Because you know that your community is with you. Because together we're trying to live life in complete honesty. Because let's be honest, we're tired of wearing masks. It's it's heavy putting all these masks in our pockets and trying to be different people to different places instead of just being free in Christ. Therefore, let all the godly people pray while there's still time. Why? Because there's a time of judgment, and the judgment comes through the floodwaters. If you've been around a little bit of church, there's a story about Noah, and at one point the whole world was flooded with waters, and Noah and his family did something crazy, and they built a boat and put all these animals and him on it, and some believe it or not, it doesn't matter. Jesus said he did it, so who am I to say it's not true if Jesus believes? And so I'm with him, and so it happened. And the floodwaters means the floodwaters are coming. And when the floodwaters come, guess what the floodwaters don't do? And we know this because we've lived through a flood. It doesn't check your bank account. It doesn't check your education. 
It doesn't check anything. It doesn't check your credentials. The only thing that happens is when the judgment of the floodwaters come, it's coming. And so you need a boat. You're not going to be like, ooh, I don't like that boat. When you need rescue, you're not like, mm-mm, that boat, I got a, I've got a row in that boat. No, I see a, a yacht. I'm hoping for a yacht with whatever. No, when rescue comes, rescue comes. You don't ask for credentials. You just see a potential to get rescued, and that's us. That's confession. And then here's what God offers us in that confession. You are my hiding place, a place of safety. You protect me from trouble. Trouble is going to come, but he's there to protect you, to do what he does, and surround me. Really wrap his arms around you. God's our safety. He's our security. He's our comfort. But all of it comes in confession. And here's one of the beautiful things about this relationship thing. This is why sin is relational, is because God's relational. He chose relationship with Adam and Eve and all creation and us in particular. And so he's interested in your day. And so this is this passage in verse in verse 8. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. He's concerned about you. He doesn't want you to go ways that aren't the best way. He's your GPS. And sometimes we go a different way and your GPS says rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. I don't know if you've ever done this, but my wife has. She's turned it off. No, I've done it. And I'm like, I know better than you. And we do that. I will advise you and watch over you. And I, I, I think sometimes we just think God's just kind of there and every once in a while, whatever, and he's not really involved. He started the clock and it's going. And, but even, even yesterday I heard a wonderful story about a guy who's a missionary in the Ukraine area. And his alarm clock was supposed to go off about 5 a.m. so he could go into Ukraine to do some ministry stuff. And, um, Anyway, and people were going to pick him up. Well, his alarm clock didn't go off, so he didn't meet the people. And so he was mad at God because God was like, he was like, hey, God, my alarm clock needed to go off at five so I could be where I'm supposed to be. Well, then he goes to meet someone who's had his papers and they were talking. And he was kind of expressing his frustration. They were like, uh, well, actually, you know, your uh, visa went out at midnight last night. So you couldn't have entered the Ukraine legally. As a matter of fact, some of your other papers, your passport that had all the stamps that showed all this different stuff, it's actually still in Kiev. You don't have it. You don't have the right one with all the different documentation. You would have been a prisoner of war. And so you're like, yeah, I think. Does God turn off alarm clocks? Maybe. The safest place in the world is to be in the will of God, even if other, everyone else says it's the most dangerous place. God is intimately involved in our lives. He cares for you. The opposite of letting him advise you and care for you is something we know pretty well around here as country folk. Is don't be like a senseless horse or a mule. What's a senseless horse or a mule? (laughs) They're food or glue, right? And they need to be put under a bit or a bridle because they can't be controlled. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. He surrounds us and cares for us. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. And all those who obey him, shout for joy. Because you have freedom. It's just as if I'd never sinned. You've been pardoned. You're free. And all those hearts that are pure. So, my prayer for us this morning, as we close out this series, may we detox from the sin of the heaviness of the soul. 
And know that it's not something you can do, that you can earn, that your education or you do certain things and check off a list. It's through Jesus. And my prayer is, is that if you've never said yes to this Jesus that we're talking about, then maybe today's that day. And it's, it's really this simple of just say, Jesus, I need you. I need to be rescued. And you're the boat and I'm in. Or maybe you've been in Christian for a little bit in Christ. You just, the feet of life are so heavy, you've been ashamed to be in community and you haven't been coming and being a part of different stuff. Or maybe you've been stabbed in the back by some of the stuff that you've shared with others and, and you just kind of walked away from God. Maybe today's the day that you just say, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust. If it was good enough for Paul, if it was good enough for Jesus, I'm just gonna confess. And may you make, give me peace. May you give me joy. May I know that you're my hiding place. And the stuff that I've been hiding in the deep crevices of my house, may it come forward and be known, and may I be loved. That's your promise. So this morning, may that be true for you. Today, we're going to, just a few minutes, we're going to be doing the act of baptism, which is a symbolic act of someone who has said yes to Jesus. Maybe today, if you've said yes to Jesus, just in this moment, if you've said yes to Jesus, we'll, we'll, we'll baptize you. First part of the church, Jesus, Peter was preaching and said, repent and be baptized, and they were baptized there. There's not a whole long list of things to do, just, just do it. Maybe you're someone who said yes to Jesus a long time ago, and you just haven't done it for whatever reason. Today, maybe today's the day. And that began helping for you to remind you of the fact of the physical act of the confession of what God's doing in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, may you feel it on the outside through the washing. Because in the old days, whenever someone was baptized, they were baptized in a moving water, and the, the preacher, whoever would say, is, you're put underneath the water, may your sins be washed away, and may you never be able to catch up to them. That's for us. May you be reminded that your sins have been washed away. They've been concealed, they've been lifted off, they've been hidden, they've been forgiven, and may you never catch up to them. You do not need them to identify you anymore. May you live in complete honesty in Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, if we need to say yes to you for the first time today, we do it. If anyone in this room needs to do it, just, just in your heart to say, yes, I need you, Jesus. Put it on a connection card later. We want to know about it. If you're in this room today and you've said yes to Jesus and you're just, you're not able to live in complete honesty. May you bring your feet close to the table of God and may he wash them. So that you can sit down at the table of God, enjoy his fellowship, and to share the hurts, to share the joys of the day like we do as a family. Just sit down with the family of God and to know that the Father is there receiving and enjoying you and can say to you, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. It has nothing to do with your academic achievements. It has nothing to do with your athletic achievements. It has nothing to do with how much money is in your bank account. 
It has to do with the fact that you've said yes to my son. And as my child, through faith, I've adopted you in and I am well pleased in you. May we that have said yes to Jesus, may we live in that honesty and live in that freedom. Father, may you do what you do. Spirit, may you move in our hearts and our minds this morning as we continue just to sing and to listen. As the song that Jason sings, may you just sing it over. It may be a breath, a freshness, and a remindness of about your business, which is us. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.